Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roto-World Football Podcast. I am your host, Raymond Summerlin, and I am joined today, as I am every single Thursday, by Nick Minzio to talk about the best starts and most notable sits for Week 7 of the fantasy football season. Rich Rebar, as always, will also stop by later in the episode to talk about his weekly worksheet column, so make sure you keep it locked for that. Before we get to both of those guys, though, we do need to talk a little bit about how you can help the show. The best way you can help out the podcast is by rating and reviewing wherever you find it, whether that be on iTunes or Stitcher or some other service. Rating and reviewing helps us in the rankings and helps others find the show. So please review early and review often. And with that out of the way, let's uh, welcome in Nick. What's going on, Nick? What's going on, Ray? I am uh, I'm a little bit upset. I'm a little bit disturbed by the news of the week. It's been a <laughs> terrible, terrible week for me, uh, as news goes for my hashtag brand. But uh, but I, I'm kind of I'm I'm pushing through it, and we're gonna we're gonna try to stay positive on this podcast. Sounds like a plan, man. I know you, I know you're gonna miss your boy Doug Martin. Yeah, let's just get to it. I guess we have to talk about old Dougie Fresh, and there was a Bucks coach Dirk Cutter came out on Wednesday and said that Dirk Cutter, I mean, excuse me, said that Dirk Cutter, said that Doug Martin had suffered a setback with his injured hamstring. He's not going to play this week against the 49ers, which is devastating if you're a Doug Martin owner because that's such a good matchup. And it looks like he's going to miss maybe even multiple more weeks. They're already without Charles Sims, who's on injured reserve. So the guy back there, it's going to be, Jaquiz Rogers. So tell me about how much I should love Jaquiz Rogers this week. Man, it's hard not to like him on on FanDuel, especially at 5,600. He just opens up a lot. There's a ton of value on this slate anyway. So, I mean, he's not a must play by any means because there's a ton of value at wide receiver, especially. But uh, this 49ers defense allowing almost 192 rushing yards per game against running backs the past three weeks and seven touchdowns or in three games to running backs. I mean, just crazy. And he, and he touched the ball 35 times. The last game, Doug Martin missed, and he and he should just handle like every down again. I would imagine Peyton Barber didn't show anything as the number two, so it's just going to be all Jacoys can handle, and then all Mike Evans in the passing game. Yeah, I mean that's the other point is that they're also without Vincent Jackson. It's not like Vincent Vincent Jackson's done much. He's averaged like six targets a game, so that's not a huge loss. But 
they have really nobody behind Mike Evans. We're talking about Adam Humphreys and Cecil Shorts and Lewis Murphy, who's might get activated. He started the season on the pup list because of a because of a knee injury. So they they have nothing else on that offense. They're going. This is going to be a very narrow kind of target and touch window, I think, for the Bucks as long as as long as everybody's out. And that's, by the way, one of the reasons I loved Doug Martin along with the schedule. But there you go. Apparently, the fantasy gods uh, they they hate me. And and to that point, let's talk about Eddie Lacy, who is another guy that I like that I thought was looking good. I thought he was only going to miss a week, but there is news out there that he's going to expect it to miss several weeks with his ankle injury. There's even some reports that he could land on injured reserve. We already know he's going to be out on Thursday night. The Packers did acquire Niall Davis, who refuses to die. Niall Davis. He, <laughs> he keeps coming back into our fantasy lives, but how do you see this backfield? First of all, shaping up on Thursday night and then how do you see it shaping up as we move forward long-term if Lacey does end up missing several weeks? Dude, I'd be lying if I told you I knew. I have no clue how it's going to shake out on Thursday. I mean, there's four guys back there now. I'm assuming Don Jackson's going to be promoted from the practice squad. What is a Don Jackson? I don't even know. But <laughs> No, he would he would certainly have qu- uh, quotation marks around him yeah, in a yeah, Roto World blurb. Definitely. Kari Lee, Colwick, Don Jackson, those guys are quote, quote guys on Roto World. So we don't know who they are. Uh, anyway, I mean, I'm just going to – roll with Ty Montgomery that's the only guy I would even consider starting this week he I think you mentioned in your waiver wired piece that he he saw eight of his 12 targets on the backfield three carries so I just expect somewhere around there maybe 10 to 15 touches would be awesome wide receiver three play if we're super cheap on Fanduel at 5300 or 5600 he is I, I believe but either way he's really cheap and I, I'd plug him in anywhere yeah I, I definitely in PPR leagues I do worry about how much upside he has in standard leagues but if you get 10 catches in PPR leagues that's just yeah that's really special and I you know people are going to talk about Niall Davis I've already been asked a couple times about Niall Davis I would be shocked if he played even close to the same number of backfield snaps as Ty Montgomery Ty Montgomery is going to spend the vast majority of the game in the backfield in my opinion but moving forward I mean I've been very dismissive of Niall Davis but after this kind of several week report came out you can't you can't dismiss Niall Davis. They traded for him. James Starks is out for a while. Uh, he has the quotes behind him and Tom Jackson. I just there's no there's no way that he's not going to get touches. I think he has to be picked up long term. I think that he's going to have some value, but in the short term, this could be even worse than the Justin Forsett situation in Detroit last week, where he ended up playing very limited snaps, wasn't very good. We it could be even worse than that. So don't don't touch Niall Davis. But I agree with you completely about. Ty Montgomery but the other question here is what do we what do we do with Eddie Lacy are you, are you keeping him is there is there any thought to maybe dropping him at this point what are we doing with Eddie Lacy I mean if he ends up on IR I'm dropping him for sure obviously you're gonna have to uh and to clear a spot for Don Jackson the, the word is that Eddie Lacy's probably going to be the one sent to IR so if that happens you just got to get rid of Lacy yeah, and it's terrible because he was amazing. He was playing very, very well. The fantasy numbers hadn't been there yet. He hadn't scored yet, but he looked great before the before the injury, and this is a contract year for him. It's just, it's really tough, but it's really tough out there for all running backs, it seems like. It, being a running back in the NFL, as it turns out, is not good for your long-term health. Carlos Hyde looks like he's not going to play this week because of a shoulder injury that he actually played through last week against the Bills, but he came in Tuesday, had his arm in a sling, he didn't practice. It now looks like he's not going to play 
we also, in that same game, had LaShawn McCoy left with a knee injury. That ended up being fine. Now he's picked up a hamstring injury, and we have no idea what that's going to happen. And obviously he had trouble with his hamstrings last week. So what are you doing in these situations? Who do you like in San Francisco, and, and how worried are you about LaShawn? Who do I like in San Francisco? Nobody. Uh, not going to play Mike Davis. Not going to play Sean Drone. Not going to play Dewan Harris. Not going to play Kelvin Taylor. I don't care. I don't, one of those two is going to get promoted from the practice squad, but I'm not touching any of them. I have no no interest in Mike Davis whatsoever, even at home, even in an offense that likes to run the ball. I'd maybe pick him up as a, a stash, maybe if this injury lasts more than a week, but they have a bye next week, and Hyde should be fine after that. So I'm just going to ignore that situation. But if McCoy misses, Mike Gillisley looks super interesting. I think he needs to be added anywhere he's available. Uh, in limited opportunities last season he he showed he can run the ball he, i think he averaged over like five yards a carry and scored five touchdowns so i really like gillisley a lot if, if if mccoy sits and he was a big play machine again uh, last year and like, this is a, a uh, revenge game for him too the dolphins drafted him oh i'm sorry hashtag revenge game now. yeah <laughs> <laughs> is it a revenge game for brock this week too oh totally <laughs> More like Definitely. revenge from the Broncos this time around. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how I see that playing out too. So yeah, so the running back situation, it's it's a mess. We will keep you all updated at the Rotor World news page. It's a developing situation in all of these situations. So make sure you keep it locked there and, and we'll update as any news breaks. All right, so let's get to your, your starts and sits for the week. We're going to start at Indianapolis where Dwayne Allen suffered his yearly injury, leaving <laughs> Jack Doyle as the number one tight end. That's right. Jack Doyle is the number one tight end. Jack Doyle, in speaking of quotes players, used to be one of those at Weirdo World. Somehow yeah. got, came out of the came out of the woodworks to prove himself. Yeah, he's out here Gary Barnaging us. Uh, but Jack Doyle, uh, he is he's against, going against the Titans. Very clearly the number one tight end now. Although Eric Swoop Swope did get a, quite a few targets on Sunday night. So are you interested in Doyle this week against the Titans? Yeah, I like Doyle a lot. I don't think Philip Dorsett's going to play either. I think he has a, what is it, a hamstring or a groin, something. something. He has a, he has a being terrible at football. Yeah, injury. that too, that too. Yeah. He's just been a total non-factor since Dante Moncrief went out. So Doyle's the clear number two. He's already solidified himself as that. Played virtually every snap last week after Dwayne Allen got hurt. Turned in a solid 453-1 one, one line, one touchdown. And a really tough matchup against the Texans. Texans are one of the best teams at defending tight ends. So <clears throat> if he can do that against the Texans, I, I mean, he should see six targets minimum against the Titans. And he's always a threat near the red zone, too, especially with T.Y. Hilton being the only receiver for the Colts who doesn't offer any size or inside the 10-yard line, you know? Yeah, that's what you. That's really what you like about Doyle, especially in this in this ridiculous horrible tight end landscape that we live in now what you like about Doyle is that he's going to get targets when they get in the red zone he's probably going to get some targets he has a good touchdown chance and I definitely agree with that another guy I agree with here that you like is Alan Hearns who quietly put up a pretty good game last week against the Bears he has at least eight targets in three of his last four games you think he's going to keep it going this week against the Raiders right yeah his targets have definitely picked up since the beginning of the season he was kind of Fell behind and behind Allen Robinson and Julius Thomas early in the year, but he's come back to life a little bit. This game's a, a pick em with a high total of 49 over under, I believe, with a, a one-point spread. So this game could go either way and could turn into a shootout. I like this game, especially for both pass offenses. Both run games just don't interest me whatsoever. So And Hearns is running the majority of his routes against slot, slot corners, so 
he'll draw DJ Hayden in coverage, and I'll, I'll take that matchup any day. Moving on to some people that you're not as high on. Matt Forte has been trending steadily down since his three-touchdown game against the Bills in Week 2. He's seen progressively fewer carries each of the last four weeks. He's going up against a tough Ravens defense. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that you don't think he's going to stop the rot this week against Baltimore. Yeah, I just don't like it. Like you said, he's been trending down like every week since that huge game against the Bills. I think he might have literally just been gassed out that game after 30 carries and three touchdowns, 100 yards. He hasn't done anything since then. Being out-snapped by Bilal Powell, being outplayed as well. Uh, this Baltimore defense is the number one run defense in the league, allowing just 3.57 yards per carry. And the Jets can't run block whatsoever. If, 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 if you have better options, I'm just going to use any of those over Forte this week. Yeah, and I mean, this is an offense. They're starting Geno Smith now. It's one. It's an offense to just to just stay away from. I think, except for Brandon Marshall, I can't even support Quincy Anunua anymore. I like Bilal Powell, but you don't know. They don't seem to know that he's a better option than Forte at this point, and so we don't know what his workload's going to be. I'm certainly not interested in Geno Smith. Just this offense is, has the look of just a complete stay away this week. Yeah, totally agree. And then finally, John Brown has yet to score a touchdown this year. He's had more than 70 yards only once this season. It's all very, very depressing to me. Is there any chance that that turns around against the Seahawks? I mean, his targets have been up the past three weeks, but I just don't I don't like this matchup whatsoever. He's going to probably see a ton of Richard Sherman on the outside because Sherman's not going to travel in the slot to cover Larry Fitzgerald. So it'll be Michael Floyd and John Brown being wasted on the outside. And then even if he doesn't line up against Sherman, both other cornerbacks for Seattle, Deshaun Shedd and uh, Jeremy Lane have been playing tough defense as well. So Seattle's number three in pass defense, DVOA, fourth in fantasy points allowed to receivers. And Carson Palmer just doesn't look right to me either. So there's just this, everything stacked up, stacks up against Brown this week. And they played the way they played against um, the Jets was if they didn't try to go deep. Now the Jets were really, really trying to stop them from it. But he settled in, Carson Palmer settled in, and just hit those intermediate areas and hit them a lot. Now, a lot of those passes did go to, did go to John Brown, but you're not really going to look for long plays in that, in that respect. They, they seem to be perfectly content riding David Johnson. I mean, this is a passing offense that is not the one that we remember from last year. It's not the vertical attacking, going down the field on every throw offense. It hasn't been the last couple weeks. So this is, that doesn't really fit what John Brown's trying to do. And, and even if he's going to play a lot of snaps and maybe he gets six catches for, you know, 70 yards. It's certainly not what we were, what we were expecting from Brown. I, I think early in the year, which again, this has just been a very depressing podcast for me so far. <laughs> hey, we got Jack Doyle though. Jack Doyle is awesome. <laughs> yes, we have Jack Doyle. Everybody's excited about uh, what a fantasy's terrible. Anyway, <laughs> so, uh, so excellent stuff as always, Nick. Uh, his column is a must-read each and every week. It's available right now as you're listening to this podcast on rotoworld.com. Make sure you check it out. You can also find Nick on Twitter at Nick Minzio, or you can find him every single Thursday on this very episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. Thanks for coming on, Nick, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yep, I'll catch you later. And we are back with Rich Rebar. You can find him on Twitter at Lord Reeves, and you can find his weekly must-read column, the worksheet, every single Wednesday on rotoworld.com. And I suppose most importantly, for our purposes here, you can find him every single Thursday on this episode of the Roto World Football 
podcast. As always, thanks for coming on, Rich. How's it going? Fantastic, Ray. Here we are, week seven. About to lock it down. And, you know, uh, I'm coming from the city of champions. Uh, Cleveland is now the city <laughs> of champions. Uh, it's been dubbed that now. It just took LeBron to open the floodgates, and here we are. Indians are coming now, too. One one <laughs> NBA championship and one and one World Series birth. Not even a not even a win. Just a birth. And Cleveland, man, their their luck has changed completely now. Hey man, we gotta take it when we get it. It's been a while. I, I support Houston foot uh, Houston teams, professional teams, and the and the Oilers, aka the Titans. So believe me, if even getting to the playoffs for the Astros in 2004, that or, excuse me, to this World Series, that was that was a dream. Never mind the sweep. Who cares? <laughs> I understand. I understand where it's coming from. But you don't come here to uh, listen to baseball <laughs> or anything about baseball and uh, how how horrifying my fandom is. So let's let's get to some football. So we we watched last week Alshon Jeffrey, who looked a little bit better. He looked healthier. He's not on the injury report this week. He actually saw targets. Which was which was a welcome welcome departure from what we had seen earlier in the year. So now he gets a great matchup on Thursday night against the Packers. Really banged up secondary. Is it time to start trusting in Alshon Jeffrey? If you had Alshon so far, you, you know you're disappointed with the bottom line as he you know enters this week as the PPR wide receiver 24, and he's the only receiver in the top 50 of scoring without a touchdown yet on the season. Uh, but there are some positives that you kind of alluded to. I mean, first, Alshon is sixth in the NFL in yards per target, and he's reeled in 66% of his targets, which is better than his career 58% catch rate. And Alshon is also fourth in the NFL in first half receiving yardage on the season. I mean, the main thing is that uh, targets just haven't found him, and we kind of saw that kind of, you know, come around last week because, you know, he had 13 targets and a way tougher matchup than what he'll draw this week. Sam Shields is out now indefinitely. Demarius Randall's out. Quinton Rollins is out. Uh, the Packers have been lit up by receivers so far. They've allowed a top 20 receiver in each of their past four games. Three top eight scorers. Uh, I think this is a game where both uh, him and Cameron Meredith can really get over as the entire passing game of the Bears should do well here. So, I mean, I think it's finally we might be able to chase down that white whale of an Alshon touchdown this week. And I think that it's important to note that regardless of what Zeke did last week, Ezekiel Elliott is on a different level. I'm not expecting the Bears to have that kind of success against this defense. No. I still think it's a good rushing defense. And, but, I mean, I guess that theory will kind of be put to the test. And like you said, the corners are bad. Terrence Williams made them look foolish. Terrence Williams made them look foolish in the first half of that game. How about that play where Cole Beasley just kind of, like, stood there for a second and then, like, and, and then just he caught that touchdown. He didn't even really put a move on the guy for which corner it was, but he just kind of stood there for a second and then broke out. And Bryce Butler, if Bryce Butler would have actually caught the football, he had two other long gains other than his touchdown. There was a... There was a lot going on there. I, I'm all in on Alshon this week, which means he'll probably disappoint us because that's how the week's been going. Speaking of players that disappoint, we talk about Kirk Cousins, who's been very up and down so far this year. But this week he gets to face the Lions, which I would imagine means you are looking to start him everywhere. Yeah, Cousins hasn't exactly rolled over the back half of his 2015 season, uh, but he's you know kind of been notorious uh, over that last half and the start of the season of tearing up some soft matchups. I mean, this week he gets the Lions, who are just giving away quarterback production. Detroit is allowing the most passing points per game on the season. They've allowed the most passing touchdowns on the season. Uh, they've allowed a pass uh, touchdown on every 12.1 
pass attempts by the opposition that's the highest rate in the league i mean if you look at the past three weeks opposing quarterbacks have completed 79 percent of their passes against the lions uh which is by far the highest in the league i mean anytime case keenum dots you up at home looking like houston case keenum uh then wheels are up uh and that's houston college not uh you know when he had his brief stint <laughs> uh, then wheels are up on cousins being you know the top streaming option if he uh by chance is hit on waivers out there anywhere and I, I mean, just to kind of add to that, Case Keenum was the quarterback two last week and looked like Joe Montana for 55 minutes until that, that final interception. That's really all you need to know about how good of a matchup this is for Kirk Cousins. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in. Start Kirk Cousins. Kansas City also has a dream matchup this week. They're at home against the Saints. But the backup rotation there, or the backfield rotation, excuse me, is a little bit of a mess Spencer Ware outtouched Jamal Charles 26 to 11 against the Raiders, but it's probably safe to assume that that gap's going to shrink at some point. But is it going to be this week? And, and how do you see that situation kind of shaking out as we move forward? Yeah, Charles has been back for two games now. They've both been kind of weird. He's played 10 and 15 snaps. One was a blowout, and then the other one kind of we saw like uh, the. The weather and terrain, you know, could have uh, aided that lopsided snap count. Uh, but I think Ware is just too good to put back in the bottle at this point. I mean, even if Charles takes another step forward in usage like we can expect, I mean, Ware has accounted for 35% of the Chiefs' offensive yards so far. That's the second highest rate in the league for a running back outside of David Johnson. Uh, it's also a week where the split, no matter where it comes to, may not be much of a hindrance, as I think both guys can be top 20 players regardless of their touches. I mean, the Saints are allowing the most rushing points per attempt in the league. They're allowing 35 PPR points per game to opposing backfields. It's the most in the league. They've already allowed 11 rushing touchdowns, which is the most by a team through their first five games of the season since 2006. Uh, and they lead the league in red zone snaps allowed to opposition. So I think this is a week where you don't even have to play the guessing game on touches as I think both guys are in play for uh you know top weeks this week and I think that'll continue I, I'm not I'm not in on Spencer Ware disappearing at all and I, I think Jamal Charles is going to start to get more involved this team I think we saw last week with what happened if this team is able to run the football and run it a bunch and kind of will away their opposition that's what they want to do and they're going to have some opportunities to do that. And this is, this is a good one at home, although the Saints probably score a few more points. This is still a good situation for them, for sure. All right, the biggest news, I guess, over the last three weeks has been the return of Tom Brady. I, I don't know if you knew that, but Tom Brady, he was suspended, and, uh, and then angry. he came back. Yeah, oh, and then he was angry when he, once he came back. And he's, uh, but he's thrown for a ton of yards and, and a ton of touchdowns since he brought back. But one of the more interesting things about his return has been the emergence of James White. So how should we value White moving forward? Yeah, you know, uh, White's role kind of disappeared with Brady out, but we've already seen the fantasy juice that their role in that offense holds when this offense is clicking at full steam. White has played 77 snaps the past two weeks after playing just 90 snaps over the opening four weeks. White has been the PPR running back 20 and the RB6 the past two weeks, and now he's finished as a top 24 scoring back in seven of his past nine games with Brady under center. He leads all backs in team target market share at 17.5% of the Patriots' targets, and only Le'Veon Bell has more targets than White's 15 over the past two weeks for running backs. 
I mean, the Steelers have allowed the third most receptions to running back so far. They've already surrendered top 24 scoring weeks to Gio Bernard, Darren Sproles, Bilal Paul, and Chris Thompson, all backs that kind of fit in White's mold. And I think we can expect the, the Steelers or the Patriots to put up a bunch more points this weekend uh, against the Steelers' pass defense without Ryan Chazier. And I think you, you mentioned the PPR. He's been the running back eight over the last two weeks in standard, which is which is really surprising with, with what he's doing. So, yeah, I, I, James White, I, I'm fully in on him this week. I think that you can use him definitely in PPR, obviously in PPR. But I think in standard, there, there's definitely some value there. And on the other side of this, I'm worried about LeGarrette Blunt. He got 20 yards and a touchdown on the clock-killing drive, and, and they're going to have a lot of clock-killing drives. But that's, that's certainly a concern for him moving forward. He's going to score touchdowns, that's for sure. But uh, there's there's some worry about Blunt as we move forward in the season. Yeah, I mean, you're basically at this point, I think, just playing Blunt in the hopes of he tacks a touchdown on at some point in the game. And he's saved two pretty lackluster games the past two weeks by, by, by finding the paint. But, I mean, he's got 87 total rushing yards. And, I mean, Cameron Hayward's uh, uh, going to be out probably. Shazier's out, so that kind of helps him. We saw J.J. run wild uh, against the Steelers last week, and maybe that helps Blunt. But, I mean, up until this point, the Steelers have been hurt more by pass-catching backs than they have been uh, the banger types. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting going forward. But, I yeah, I think he's just a touchdown or bust play. And it may be all you can do at the road with the running back position being the way it is. That guy might be a guy that's a weekly starter for you. I, I that sentence, Jay Ajayi ran wild. It's just such an odd sentence. <laughs> it, it, it's it, just it, been a, it happened. I cut Jay Ajayi yeah, I in a league we're in together for Charles Clay <laughs> the week before. <laughs> <laughs> what a world fantasy football has turned oh. into in the year 2016. So thanks for coming on, Rich. Remember, you can follow Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can find his work at rotoworld.com. You can also find Nick's work at rotoworld.com and follow him on Twitter at Nick Minzio. If while you're at it, you might as well follow me on Twitter at RM Summerlin. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast anywhere you find it. And we'll talk to you next week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.